Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Chapter 4 The Four Noble Truths Understanding the World View For anyone wishing to explore and study the path of Nibbana or enlightenment, one must begin with a deep understanding of the Four Noble Truths. The Four Noble Truths is the first discourse offered by Gautama Buddha as his very first teaching upon him attaining enlightenment as the fully perfectly enlightened Buddha. You can study his progression and dedication to reaching enlightenment through understanding his story that led him there. This chapter will provide details on his actual first teaching once he became the fully awakened Buddha. The Four Noble Truths is the core understanding required to recognize the world as Gautama Buddha saw it as he sought his own enlightenment. Seeing the world as through Gautama Buddha gives a practitioner's mind the foundation in which to apply all the other teachings and practices taught by Gautama Buddha. This is the worldview of Gautama Buddha, and learning this deeply will allow a practitioner to view the world through the eyes of Gautama Buddha to practice these important teachings. The Four Noble Truths explains the knowledge of discontentedness, the origin of discontentedness, the cessation of discontentedness, and the knowledge of the way of practice leading to the cessation of discontentedness. I would like to share with you a summary of chapter 4 prior to diving into the details of this chapter. Understanding and practicing the Four Noble Truths is the first step towards the path to Nibbana, enlightenment, and a higher consciousness. The Four Noble Truths is the first step of the Eightfold Path called Right View, Impermanence. Everything is constantly changing and there is no permanent state. Material objects, possessions, relationships, thoughts, ideas, states of mind, everything in the world is constantly changing. All conditioned thoughts will cease to exist. All that arises will cease to exist. There is no steady, constant, or fixed state other than enlightenment. Discontentedness Gautama Buddha describes three feelings as discontent or dukkha due to their nature of being impermanent. The goal of these teachings is to eliminate discontentedness of mind, providing the mind a permanent place to reside in Nibbana, enlightenment. A painful feeling, sadness, depression, anger, hatred, ill will, guilt, shame, fear, anxiety, stress, etc. A pleasant feeling, happiness, excitement, elation, etc. A feeling that is neither painful nor pleasant, boredom, 
loneliness, melancholy, shyness, displeased, uncomfortable, unsatisfied, etc. Attachment, clinging, craving, desire. A mental longing for something with a strong eagerness. The Four Noble Truths, Right View. 1. First Noble Truth. Everyone that is unenlightened will experience discontentedness. 2. Second Noble Truth. Discontentedness is caused by our own attachments because the mind craves for everything to be permanent when everything in the world is impermanent. 3. Third Noble Truth. The elimination of discontentedness is possible by eliminating attachments. 4. Fourth Noble Truth. The path to eliminating discontentedness is the Eightfold Path. The goal in life is not to be happy, as that is an impermanent feeling. When the mind is not happy, it will move to sadness, anger, or worse. The goal in life is to develop a content mind, free of attachment, that is satisfied with what is. This is just one aspect of enlightenment or nibbana. Author's Thoughts The Four Noble Truths can be summarized and understood in the following way. You need to accept responsibility for your own discontent mind and the emotions you experience, rather than blaming painful feelings, pleasant feelings, and feelings that are neither painful nor pleasant on someone or something external. Accept that you cause your own discontent mind. Accept that you are the problem and have the ability to resolve the problem. By accepting responsibility for your own discontent mind, you then have 100% ability to eliminate the discontent mind through understanding and practice of these teachings. Because if you are the cause of the discontent mind, that means you have the ability to eliminate and resolve the discontent mind. You have 100% ability to attain a content mind through learning and practicing these teachings. The way leading to the complete elimination of the discontent mind and attaining a content, peaceful, calm, steady, and unshakable mind is to learn and practice the Eightfold Path. Understanding the Four Noble Truths is the first step towards a content and peaceful mind in life. Right view is the first step of the Eightfold Path. Without accepting responsibility for the discontent mind, you will never be able to take steps to resolve the discontent mind because the wrong view that something or someone else is causing the mind to be discontent means you feel that you have no ability to attain a content mind. You are unable to train the entire world to react and respond to you in a way of your choosing. Therefore, with wrong view, you will always experience discontentedness in the form of painful feelings, pleasant feelings, or feelings that are neither painful nor pleasant. However, since it is impossible to train everyone in the entire world to react and respond to you in the way of your choosing, you need to train the mind to be content, peaceful, and not experience discontentedness in any and all situations. You have the ability to change your own mind through training, but you have no ability to change the mind of another person. You cause your own anger, sadness, loneliness, boredom, and all other discontent feelings. Because you are the cause of these discontent feelings, 
This means that you can eliminate the discontent feelings through understanding and practice of these teachings. These teachings are a life practice to establish an understanding and to practice teachings that eliminate 100% of the discontent mind. The first step is to understand the teachings intellectually, then observe these teachings in practice so that you can attain the wisdom and truth in the teachings. Through the wisdom you acquire in practice of these teachings, you will liberate the mind through wisdom to experience Nibbana, enlightenment, a higher consciousness. When the mind attains Nibbana, the mind will not experience any discontentedness. The mind will be peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. Now that you have an introduction to the Four Noble Truths, let me explain in more detail. Let's first discuss the Three Universal Truths. There are three universal truths that are important to understand. 1. Impermanence 2. Discontentedness 3. Non-Self 1. Impermanence Impermanence is a crucial concept to understand as it relates to understanding Gautama Buddha's teachings of the world he describes and then offers a path forward. Impermanence is the understanding that all things are constantly changing. Nothing in the world is permanent except for the natural laws and Nibbana. Material objects, possessions, relationships, thoughts, ideas, feelings, states of mind, everything in the world is constantly changing. All conditioned thoughts will cease to exist. All that arises will cease to exist. There is no steady, constant, or fixed state other than enlightenment. If you take a moment to explore the mind and the world around you, you can observe that this is, in fact, a universal truth. You have had multiple jobs, relationships, countless clothing and possessions. Your hair continuously grows and you never can keep it forever. It leaves the body every moment. Nothing in your life has stayed with you forever and is constantly changing, including the physical body itself. The body has constantly changed from birth until now and will continue to change your entire life. You will need to leave the body at some point. You cannot keep anything permanently. Your emotions and mental states are also impermanent. The mind will change from painful feelings to pleasant feelings to feelings that are neither painful nor pleasant through your life and oftentimes throughout your day. There is no emotion or mental state that is permanent, only Nibbana is permanent. Nibbana is the only mental state that is permanent. It is a mental state for the mind to exist permanently because the mind is liberated by wisdom. Once you learn something, you do not unlearn it. Thus, Gautama Buddha gave us teachings that provide a permanent place for the mind to reside, peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. Gautama Buddha's teachings that lead to Nibbana are meant to allow you to find a content mental state that is in the middle, so that the mind is not affected by impermanence to become discontent, oftentimes discussed as suffering. The word suffering is often translated from the word dukkha, used by Gautama Buddha, which you will see if you are studying Gautama Buddha's teachings in the Pali language, if you speak with bhikkhus or bhikkhanis, or other places in your journey with Gautama Buddha's teachings. 
Often the word suffering is used in the English language to represent the subject Gautama Buddha discussed in the Pali language as dukkha. However, I have found that the word discontentedness is a much better word to use and understand. This word represents much more than the word suffering. The word suffering tends to only bring one's mind to think of physical or emotional pain. It does not capture the full range of mental feelings that exist in one's experience of daily life. The word suffering is ineffective in bringing the practitioner's mind wholly to the understanding shared by Gautama Buddha. The word suffering will not bring a practitioner's mind to the worldview described by Gautama Buddha. Thus, offering the word discontentedness will assist a practitioner to gain the insight needed for establishing a foundation for further studies and ultimately to attain Nibbana. 2. Discontentedness can capture the full essence and meaning of what is mostly described across books and writings about Gautama Buddha's teachings where you see the word suffering substitute the word discontentedness, where you see the word dukkha substitute the word discontentedness. Discontentedness can describe the mental state when the mind is unsatisfied, displeased, uncalm, or unpeaceful. This mental state can arise from physical or emotional pain through to the slightest unpleasantness of a small odor or slightest of touches when unpleasant feelings arise. It describes the mental state that can arise from extreme physical discomfort through to the smallest of needle pricks, emotional unpleasantries, or significant traumas and effects of the mind. Discontentedness is a state of being, not a feeling or emotion itself. Discontentedness may be viewed as only a negative or unwholesome state of being, however, there is discontentedness that can arise from pain, suffering, physical and emotional, along with discontentedness in emotions such as happiness, excitement, and physical pleasures because happiness does not last forever. It is still impermanent. The mind will attach to these impermanent states of mind causing discontentedness. This relates to walking the middle way which will be explained further in future chapters titled the Eightfold Path, and the Middle Way. Gautama Buddha describes three feelings as discontent or dukkha due to their nature of being impermanent. The goal of these teachings is to eliminate discontentedness of mind, providing the mind a permanent place to reside in the mental state of nibbana or enlightenment. A Painful Feeling Sadness, depression, anger, hatred, ill will, guilt, shame, fear, anxiety, stress, etc. A pleasant feeling, happiness, excitement, elation, etc. A feeling that is neither painful nor pleasant, boredom, loneliness, melancholy, shyness, displeased, uncomfortable, unsatisfied, etc. Happiness and too much pleasure can be described as discontentedness because we know those feelings and pleasure will not last. They are impermanent. Once these cease to exist, this can create discontentedness within the mind of one who clings or longs for the continuation of these impermanent feelings. All three of these feelings can be experienced in the mind which can be described as discontent. If we use the word suffering, as has been used in the past, it only describes one-third of the meaning of dukkha originally taught by Gautama Buddha. 
Suffering describes a painful feeling, but it does not describe the other two types of dukkha or feelings taught by Gautama Buddha. Discontentedness is experienced through the six sense faculties, the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and the mind. The mind experiences discontentedness through these six sense faculties, eyes, forms that we see, ears, sounds that we hear, nose, smells that we experience, tongue, taste that we experience, body, physical contact with the body, mind, thoughts, ideas, perceptions within the mind. Through all six sense faculties or six doorways to discontentedness, the mind experiences painful feelings, pleasant feelings, and feelings that are neither painful nor pleasant. Painful feelings, pleasant feelings, and feelings that are neither painful nor pleasant are experienced and the mind then becomes discontent. There is discontentedness from all six sense faculties because the mind attaches or clings to painful feelings, pleasant feelings, or feelings that are neither painful nor pleasant, expecting them to be permanent. The mind is displeased, uncomfortable, or discontent with these impermanent feelings. In many cases, the mind craves for there to be a continuation of the pleasant feelings, and when the pleasant feelings change due to the impermanent nature of pleasant feelings, the mind is discontent. To attain Nibbana, you will need to learn how to guard the doorways to discontentedness and protect your own contentedness through developing a life practice of non-attachment or non-clinging. We are each responsible to protect or maintain our own contentedness of mind. No one else can do that for us. Since the mind is not resting in one of these three feelings permanently due to impermanence, the mind will experience discontentedness. The goal of Gautama Buddha's teachings in pursuing Nibbana is for the mind to be content, which is a permanent place the mind can reside through liberation of the mind by observing the truth in Gautama Buddha's teachings to acquire wisdom through our practice of the teachings. We acquire wisdom through learning and practicing the teachings to observe the same truths as Gautama Buddha. The collection of this wisdom leads to improved ways for the mind to function optimally with purity of thought and awakened to attain Nibbana. Nibbana is a permanent place for the mind to reside because once you learn something to acquire wisdom, you do not unlearn it. You learn through experience and observation of the teachings through practice of the teachings. There is no belief in these teachings and practice, but instead experiential learning where you observe the truth in the teachings that becomes wisdom. Liberation of the mind by wisdom, i.e. Nibbana and enlightenment, is the only mental state that is permanent. Nibbana is a mental state where the mind can reside permanently peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. We will now use the word discontent, discontented, or discontentedness rather than suffering or dukkha throughout this book. Non-self is the teaching that needs to be realized in the mind that there is no permanent self. There is no you, me, I, etc. Human beings form a concept of a permanent self in the mind. 
This is comprised of such things as the self-image, self-identity, expectations we have of ourself, expectations others have of us, and the ego. This concept of the self needs to be eliminated in the mind to realize even the first stage of Nibbana. The word ego did not exist during the lifetime of the Buddha. The ego is part of the concept of the self held deep in the mind by unenlightened beings. To attain Nibbana, one needs to eradicate the concept of a permanent self, which includes dissolving the ego. We use the pronoun I, you, me, and names given to us during our life, but these are unfitting to truly explain this existence. There is a body in the mind that has come together for this existence, but there is no permanent everlasting self as exists in the mind of unenlightened beings. There is nothing permanent that exists currently or continues to exist after this current existence. You have accumulated a self-image and self-identification of whom you think you are, which is part of the accumulated ego. The self-image and self-identification is not permanent and fixed. The way that you think of yourself today is different than how you saw yourself in the past. The self-image and self-identity has been changing constantly throughout your life. This is one way that you know there is no permanent self because the self-image and self-identification you have in the mind is continually changing. It is not permanent. There is no permanent self. Thus, Gautama Buddha shares the teaching of non-self as the third universal truth. Through understanding and realizing non-self, i.e. soaked into the mind, you eradicate and dissolve the ego, including the ideas, expectations, and perceptions you have for the concept of a permanent self. Through the elimination of the concept of a permanent self, which includes dissolving the ego, we practice being humble, peaceful, and content with selflessness rather than being selfish. With the concept of a permanent self, one can become very selfish, not being willing to share or show generosity towards other beings. This concept of a self causes human beings problems as one will defend the self, which includes the ego, oftentimes responding out of anger, frustration, etc. An unenlightened mind will react to situations rather than respond, which is coming from this concept of a permanent self. Eradicating the concept of a self, i.e. realizing non-self, means this concept of a permanent self gets dissolved, the ego gets dissolved, and one can exist peacefully and contently without a need to defend or protect this concept of the self. The concept of the self originates from our many animal existences in the animal realm. In the animal realm, an animal cannot eliminate the concept of a self as it is required to sustain life. If an animal were to eliminate the concept of a self, they would be rendered defenseless towards predators and surely die a premature death. Animals find it difficult to share and show generosity towards other beings due to their extensive craving, where human beings can eliminate this quality of the mind carried over from our countless previous animal existences. 
In the human realm, the concept of a permanent self gets in the way of interacting and existing peacefully with other beings, as the slightest dislike will often result in an unenlightened mind reacting with feelings of anger, frustration, irritation, annoyance, etc., as the attachment to a self produces a discontent mind. To attain even the first stage of Nibbana, one needs to fully understand and realize non-self. It is typically through much learning, practice, and guidance with the help of teachers that one will fully understand and realize non-self. The teaching of non-self is usually a teaching approach later in practice as a practitioner has already established a solid foundation of many other teachings and one nears closer to the first stage of Nibbana having already experienced the jhanas. One who has not yet realized non-self will identify with certain characteristics of whom they think they are and how others perceive them. However, as you practice non-attachment to a permanent self, you will realize you are none of those ideas, thoughts, and perceptions you have of yourself, nor those that others have of you. As a result of realizing non-self, you will not be defensive based on the concept of a permanent self, the ego, the self-image, nor the identification of a permanent self. The teaching of non-self needs to be understood, but more importantly, realized through the practice of being humble, dissolving the ego, and dissolving the concept of a self through daily practice to live peacefully with other beings. There are meditation techniques to help us eliminate the concept of a permanent self that we hold on to in the unenlightened state, but the meditation techniques alone will not allow you to fully realize non-self as one needs to learn and practice this teaching in daily life. Only the self can be discontent or suffer. When we hold on to or are attached to the concept of a permanent self, then we still have discontentedness and experience the suffering it causes. When non-self is fully realized, there is no discontentedness and one has attained complete inner peace or nibbana. Realizing non-self is part of fully attaining nibbana in this very life along with the elimination of the ten fetters. It is the reason the first of the ten fetters is the elimination of personal existence view. This is the realization of non-self. If there is still the concept of a permanent self, you will defend it, guard against it, and react with emotion based on the need to protect the self rather than respond calmly, peacefully, and with a content mind. There is also the tendency to place the self above or below other beings with judgment. Once the concept of a permanent self, including the ego, has been fully dissolved and you realize non-self, you will no longer feel a need to defend or protect the self and thus will be able to attain and maintain a content mind no matter what is said about you by another person. The mind will not react negatively to others' intentions, speech, nor actions. There is nothing to defend or guard against because you no longer have a concept of a self. Gautama Buddha also referred to this as eradicating the conceit, I am. The body nor the mind is yours, and the only thing that exists is a craving for existence. When we observe that we are, in fact, nothing, 
then we extinguish our craving nor desire to exist in any form, realizing that we are not the thoughts, ideas, nor perceptions. Thus, non-self needs to be realized to escape the cycle of rebirth or samsara to attain nibbana. You cannot keep the body nor the mind forever. They are impermanent, just like everything else in the world. Thus, they are not yours, and you do not exist. There is no permanent self to be found. There is no you. We cannot point to a you. If you go in search of a permanent self or you, one cannot be found. Everything will cease to exist and be extinguished someday, including this body and the mind, and therefore there is no permanent self to be found anywhere. Take your finger and point to you. Where are you? Can you point to you? What are you pointing to now, the body or the mind? That's not you. Where are you? If you look into this deeply and reflect upon it, you will not be able to find a permanent self that you can absolutely point to because one does not exist. Realizing that you are not the body, you are not the mind, establishes that there is no craving for existence. Then there is liberation of the mind and from the chains that keep you bound in the cycle of rebirth into the five realms of existence. We basically wander through multiple births, through the five realms of existence experiencing impermanence and discontentedness until we realize that we are the cause of all our own discontentedness. Understanding that we do not exist, non-self, extinguishes the craving for existence and, thus, we escape the cycle of rebirth through the process of seeking Nibbana. If you understand impermanence and that nothing is permanent, then realizing non-self can be reflected upon in this way. Is the body yours? Does it belong to you? Will you be able to keep it until the end of time? No. Is the mind yours? Does it belong to you? Will you be able to keep it until the end of time? No. So what are we? We are nothing. There is no permanent self that one can identify. There is no you, but we still use this pronoun since there is nothing else fitting in the English language to refer to nothing. We are merely a craving to exist. We need to extinguish the craving to return to this world through the cycle of rebirth, realizing selflessness, eliminating all craving, attachment, and desire that are identifiable through a mental longing for something with a strong eagerness. It is craving that pushes us and motivates all our activities in this life. Everything you do is a result of some craving for either money, fame, development or protection of an ego, protection of a self, or some other aspect of the mind's never-ending craving until the mind is trained not to crave. Understanding non-self, conceptually, is one step of realizing non-self. Then, it is important to put this teaching into practice through daily life and a life practice to include a specialized meditation technique if needed. 
This teaching is typically explored later in the process of attaining Nibbana and should not be focused on until there is already a well-established practice of many of the other teachings and with guidance of teachers. Realizing non-self is one of the last aspects of attaining Nibbana and can be focused on with a teacher who can help you, a teacher who has already realized non-self. We need to first understand the teaching of non-self then realize non-self as part of daily practice and a specialized meditation practice. See the later chapter, Meditation, Developing Your Practice. The intellectual understanding and ultimate realization of non-self is not typically understood early in your practice. If this teaching is unclear at this time, you can revisit it at a later date after you have established a solid practice of these teachings with a teacher who has already realized non-self. It is important that we distinguish the difference between non-self and a soul. Gautama Buddha taught that there is no permanent self, but he left the teaching about a soul as undeclared. See the simile of a man were wounded by an arrow thickly smeared with poison, to understand Gautama Buddha did not declare a teaching concerning a soul and left this as undeclared. This simile is located at the end of the chapter, Transforming the Three Poisons, Greed, Hatred, and Delusion. Now, on to the Four Noble Truths. The Four Noble Truths are offered throughout literature of Gautama Buddha's teachings in many forms. It is rare to see the same translation or wording from any two sources. In your journey with these teachings, just remember that it is you as the practitioner who should do the hardest work. Your benefits are much greater if you do the work of learning, growing, and pursuing your own enlightenment with teachers and guides. No one or no entity can give you a healthy, stable, and peaceful mind. Only you can attain it through your own wisdom. The pursuit of Nibbana is an independent journey that will need to include teachers and guides. While there will be teachers and guides to assist us, it is each individual that needs to strive to attain a content mind in the pursuit of Nibbana. It is important to understand that Buddhism is a religion that was started by people, but in fact, it was meant as a way of life, not a religion. Gautama Buddha asked for there never to be a statue made of him or for anyone to idolize him in any way. In fact, he said that if any of his teachings do not work and aren't effective, do not practice them. Now, 2,500 years later, we still practice his teachings because they do work and you can pursue your own enlightenment, Nibbana, through understanding his teachings. You should not have statues of Gautama Buddha you should not bow down to anyone or any statues. You should not make offerings to statues. And you should not idolize or worship anyone for teaching you a better path forward in life. The Four Noble Truths The following is a translation of Gautama Buddha's teachings from the Pali Canon, the source of Gautama Buddha's teachings. Bhikkhus, there are these Four Noble Truths. What for? the noble truth of discontentedness, the noble truth of the origin of discontentedness, the noble truth of the cessation of discontentedness, the noble truth of the way leading to the cessation of discontentedness. And what, bhikkhus, is the noble truth of discontentedness? It should be said, the five aggregates subject to clinging, that is, 
the form aggregate subject to clinging, the feeling aggregate subject to clinging, the perception aggregate subject to clinging, the volational formation aggregate subject to clinging, the consciousness aggregate subject to clinging. This is called the noble truth of discontentedness. In what, bhikkhus, is the noble truth of the origin of discontentedness? It is this craving which leads to renewed existence, accompanied by delight and lust, seeking delight here and there. That is craving for sensual pleasures, craving for existence, craving for extermination. This is called the noble truth of the origin of discontentedness. And what, bhikkhus, is the noble truth of the cessation of discontentedness? It is the remainderless fading away and cessation of the same craving, the giving up and relinquishing of it, freedom from it, non-reliance on it. This is called the noble truth of the cessation of discontentedness. And what, bhikkhus, is the noble truth of the way leading to the cessation of discontentedness? It is this noble eightfold path, that is, right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. This is called the noble truth of the way leading to the cessation of discontentedness. These bhikkhus are the four noble truths. Therefore, bhikkhus, an exertion should be made to understand this is discontentedness. An exertion should be made to understand this is the origin of discontentedness. An exertion should be made to understand this is the cessation of discontentedness. An exertion should be made to understand this is the way leading to the cessation of discontentedness. Translated by Bhikkhu Bodhi in the year 2000. The following text of the Four Noble Truths is a practitioner's translation to assist practitioners learning rather than an attempt at a direct translation of Gautama Buddha's actual words. First Noble Truth Everyone that is unenlightened will experience discontentedness. The Noble Truth of Discontentedness In the First Noble Truth, Gautama Buddha explains discontentedness. There is no permanent, peaceful, calm, serene, or content state with joy in the mind other than nibbana. Discontentedness exists in three forms, a painful feeling, a pleasant feeling, and a feeling that is neither painful nor pleasant describes a discontent mind. All three feelings experienced in the mind or mental states can be described as discontent, discontented, or discontentedness. All beings in the unenlightened state experience discontentedness of mind through painful feelings, pleasant feelings, and feelings that are neither painful nor pleasant. This could be perceived as a pessimistic view. However, in order to achieve contentedness, a practitioner will need to first understand the discontentedness in the mind so that with this world view, a practitioner can clear their own discontented state of mind. If we view the mind, and thus the world as correct, healthy, and a pleasant place to be, then there is no reason to change or adjust our state of consciousness. It's through observing the mind and what humans have created in the world as undesirable that we bring the mind to the understanding that we need change. We certainly feel enjoyment, 
pleasure and have had plenty of pleasant experiences in life. However, you have also experienced grave suffering or mild suffering that if you had the choice, you would not want to repeat. The purpose of pursuing Nibbana is to ensure that there is not rebirth into the world to experience the misery of taking form into a new existence. In this way, you can experience a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy, and thus, a peaceful life. You can escape the cycle of rebirth and experience a better way of life through the pursuit of Nibbana. Look at what is in the mind this very moment along with past or future thoughts you are having. What do you see? If you are honest with yourself, you will see discontentedness, suffering, a lifetime of accumulated discontentedness. This is normal in the state of mind prior to pursuit of enlightenment and for someone unaware of the solution. Your discontentedness continues over and over without the ability to understand it or resolve it until you have learned and practiced the teachings of Gautama Buddha. Further, if you look at the world around you carefully, a well-learned eye should start to see discontentedness everywhere, not just in your own life, but in the life of most people around you. You should see that everyone you know, no matter how happy a face they portray, has discontentedness of one form or another unless they have attained Nibbana. All people who are unenlightened will experience discontentedness of mind. However, the most important understanding and focus should be on your own mind. You can resolve the discontentedness in your own mind, but you cannot resolve the discontentedness of someone else's mind. Only they can do that. When we see the world as an undesirable place to exist, we will naturally want to seek refuge in a higher state of consciousness, thus seek enlightenment or nibbana, the ultimate goal of Gautama Buddha's teachings. We cannot run from this world or all that has been accumulated in the mind, so the only answer is to seek teaching, understanding, and refuge in further progress towards emptying the mind on the path of nibbana. You will often see phrasings such as seek refuge in the Dharma. Dharma, or in Pali, Dhamma, are the teachings of Gautama Buddha. By seeking refuge, you are seeking understanding, insight, wisdom, knowledge, and ultimately, as you pursue Nibbana, you will have safety of the mind through protection of the teachings and wisdom you have acquired. The mind will be protected by Gautama Buddha's teachings to protect against the world of discontentedness. The mind will be liberated by wisdom. Through the process of learning and emptying the mind, you will attain a purer and purer mind, thus a more stable, content, and peaceful existence. The world is full of discontentedness and you can see this in the fact that nothing is stable, steady, or permanent other than Nibbana. You cannot keep anything permanently. Everything in life is impermanent, but yet the mind wants everything to be permanent. The mind's constant craving and desires, while expecting everything to be permanent, is the problem Gautama Buddha understood and found a solution through the pursuit of Nibbana. Nibbana, or enlightenment, is the solution to the mind's discontentedness and is achievable by everyone. Now, let's explore why the impermanent nature of everything in the world causes the mind to be discontent. Second Noble Truth 
Discontentedness is caused by our own attachments because the mind craves for everything to be permanent when everything in the world is impermanent. The noble truth of the origin of discontentedness. With the understanding that the mind is full of discontentedness, we now explore the second noble truth, which details the origin of the discontentedness. This is the cause of our discontentedness. The cause of our discontentedness is that we cling or attach to many things, including the things of the past or the future. Our expectation is typically that things are permanent, and when they are not, discontentedness occurs. When the mind clings or attaches to things that are impermanent, while we expect them to be permanent, the mind will be discontent because it craves permanence. An attachment or clinging is mentally holding something too tightly through strong craving that it causes us discontentedness should we not have it anymore or that we do not acquire it. An attachment is defined as the mental clinging or mental attachment, not the physical possession of an object or relationship. Attachment, clinging, is the mental craving, longing to have something or to continue to have something. Attachment is a mental longing for something with a strong eagerness. It is through the mental attachment, clinging, in the mind that we cause our own discontentedness. It is possible to love, have relationships and possessions without being attached to them, which would cause us discontentedness. Allowing the people in our life to walk their own path without forcing behavior or decisions is a practice of non-attachment or non-clinging. Caring for another human and ensuring that they have what they need in life is a practice of loving-kindness or compassion, not clinging. An attachment or clinging refers to the mental attachment or mental clinging. Just merely possessing something is not an attachment. But, should you not have the possession, a relationship, or thing, is the mind discontent? Is there longing, craving, or desire? If so, this is an attachment. Understanding that all possessions and relationships are impermanent, thus will leave us someday, helps us to practice non-attachment. Generosity and sharing helps us to practice non-attachment of possessions and elimination of cravings. As unenlightened humans, we typically place much focus on our wants instead of our needs. Our wants will drive the mind to more and more discontentedness because we never can fully fulfill our wants and thus they result in discontentedness with the mind constantly attempting to pursue wants instead of contentedness. The mind has constant cravings and desires, or wants. Everything in this world is impermanent. Impermanent in that nothing stays the same, everything is always changing. The weather changes, our relationships change, our income change, our health changes, our jobs change, our emotional state changes. Everything and anything is always changing. There is no permanent state of anything. All things change, are not permanent, and will cease to exist. Nibbana is the only permanent mental state that exists because once you liberate the mind by wisdom, you will not unlearn this wisdom. We often think of happiness or pleasant feelings as being welcomed and desirable. However, it is explained by Gautama Buddha that this is also an undesirable state of being to achieve contentedness in one's life. 
happiness, and pleasant feelings, which most of us strive for, is an impermanent state of existence. These feelings and emotions cannot sustain us as they are not permanent. So if one seeks happiness, they are attempting to achieve a state of mind that is not sustainable, thus setting themselves up for failure in future discontentedness. Therefore, in effect, our discontentedness is self-imposed through creating, building, and maintaining our own attachments and clinging to things in an impermanent world. Things are going to always change, so if we cling to them, expecting them to never change, we are setting ourselves up for discontentedness. So to obtain wisdom in a peaceful existence, we must not have attachment or clinging. We sometimes create what feels like a peaceful and sublime existence through creating an environment around us that provides us only a peaceful existence. This would include family, friends, and situations that are agreeable to us and feels like a peaceful existence. However, this is another form of clinging as the mind is not content in all situations. It is important to move the mind into uncomfortable situations that allow you to train the mind to be content in any and all situations. If you avoid certain people or situations that you dislike to maintain contentedness, this is aversion and not complete nibbana. Aversion is wanting to keep the mind in a comfortable and satisfying environment at all times with strong dislike while also avoiding those situations. You are avoiding situations, relationships, and environments that could be considered uncomfortable or unpleasing with a strong dislike. You crave environments and situations that are kind, warm, loving, and open to you at all times. Thus, avoid uncomfortable situations. This is aversion, but actually another form of attachment and clinging. This is why Gautama Buddha's teachings speak of attachment clinging as the origin of our discontentedness and the suffering it causes. But many people do not see this attachment that can be described as aversion. It is a blind attachment as we keep ourselves in kind, loving, and warm company so we do not see the mind is avoiding situations and people to maintain its contentedness. You need to test the mind to get more fully awake and test your nibbana by training the mind to be comfortable in any and all situations, including situations that are disagreeable to you. Can the mind still remain content in every and all situations? The mind is clinging or attached to a peaceful, calm, serene environment of your family, friends, and those close to you. You create a circle of people and situations around you that is comfortable, and this looks like nibbana or enlightenment, a comfortable existence. But you are not fully awake, as you are still attached to the nibbana you have created for yourself through the environment around you. You have to get out of the comfortable environment and do not be attached to it. Once you have developed the mind through establishing a stable practice of these teachings, Put the mind in uncomfortable situations and see if you can maintain your practice with a calm, content, and peaceful mind. Test the mind. Push yourself into what could be considered an uncomfortable environment. What does your practice look like while in environments of greed, hatred, or delusion with ego? Did you pick up any of those qualities into the mind? 
early in your practice, it is easy for you to pick up these qualities from your environment, so there is no need to test the mind at this point. As you near closer to Nibbana, feeling the mind is awakened to Nibbana, that is a good time to start testing the mind. It is an independent practice. Go to environments where you are alone, abandoned, have nothing with you and no attachments including the attachment of a satisfying, comfortable, and loving place to exist. Has the mind still abandoned greed, hatred, and delusion with no ego? Do you still have loving kindness and compassion for all beings? Is the mind content? Look at your life and the things you are clinging to. What are they? Material possessions, relationships, a calm environment, or stuff that, if gone, would cause you discontentedness? If you lost your wallet, purse, mobile phone, keys, your house, your car, your best friend, your partner, your parents or family members, your ego, your title, your job, or your self-image, how much discontentedness would you experience? These are all examples of things you would experience a certain degree of discontentedness with should your possession of them or attachment be lost or broken. When you have attained Nibbana, these things will not cause you discontentedness. Are you avoiding relationships or situations in your life that could be helpful for you? Do you not do something based on fears, anxieties, or things that you have been told, i.e. perceptions? This would be aversion. You must not cling, attach, or have aversion to people, situations, or experiences realizing the cause or origin of discontentedness is within ourselves. No one can cause us discontentedness. Only we ourselves can cause our own discontentedness. We cannot blame others for our unhappy or unsettled mind and state of existence. We are the only one who can cause ourselves discontentedness, and we are the only one who can attain contentedness for the mind and our life. Third Noble Truth The elimination of discontentedness is possible by eliminating attachments. The Noble Truth of the Cessation of Discontentedness Gautama Buddha's Third Noble Truth explains how to eliminate discontentedness in the mind, no matter how large or small the discontentedness might be. We know from the Second Noble Truth that the cause of our discontentedness is from clinging or attachment to things. So, the elimination of our discontentedness can only be achieved by the cessation of our clinging to thoughts, emotions, possessions, people, situations, etc., the elimination of discontentedness is possible to eliminate through the cessation of our own clinging or attachment. This means we know we will experience discontentedness from our clinging or attachment, so thus we must train ourselves to acquire only the things we need and not the things we want. We must allow ourselves to experience whatever is in front of us. Eliminating clinging does not mean that we need to eliminate relationships or eliminate our possessions. It means we need to learn non-clinging and train the mind not to be discontent when we do not have these things based on the impermanent nature of all things. We need to eliminate the mental clinging or mental attachment. 
We may want a big house and luxury car. However, to accomplish this want, it may require extensive discontentedness in your work, health, or relationships. It may be possible that you will need to have greed or other unwholesome emotions to achieve your wants. However, if we tend to only our needs, it's a more balanced and healthy life. This is one reason why bhikkhus and bikinis wear simple clothing, cut their hair, eat whatever is given to them, live wherever they need to live, and use just the bare essentials, etc. This creates a minimalist lifestyle that fosters the best opportunity for one to pursue enlightenment. One can achieve enlightenment through home life, it's just more challenging and requires the utmost attention to what you are clinging to or have aversion to so that you can eliminate the attachment clinging where bhikkhus and bikinis practice a pre-prescribed discipline. It is not required that you end your relationships with partners, friends, children, family, or give up things like your car, job, clothing, etc. It's only required that you seek what you need in life so that you aren't driving the mind to fulfill your wants, which is a never achievable goal. As soon as you get to what you want, your wants change and thus the mind continues on its never-ending quest to acquire more things. You do not need to give up everything to live the monastic life for the pursuit of enlightenment. You can do that and it is a route that some people prefer to take as it creates conditions conducive for enlightenment. The conditions of eliminating the clinging or attachments within the monastic life are drastically improved. Living a monastic life does not mean you will absolutely attain enlightenment. You will still be required to earn your own enlightenment, just like everyone else. It's just that living a holy life within a temple environment provides you a set of guidelines that drastically minimize your ability to cling or have attachments. The home life or householder environment is more challenging because one must first gain the deep knowledge of what is required for the seeking of enlightenment take inventory of the mind, set rules for themselves, seek training and support for the teachings, and then implement them into their daily life. If a household practitioner has an entire household or support system attempting to achieve the same goals of enlightenment, this pursuit is more possible to achieve. However, if just one person in the household is working alone amongst others, it is much more challenging to learn and implement the teachings. Having friends, family, and community who are learning, working, progressing, and supporting each other will produce the best results. A monastery is a community of people who are working towards the same goals. However, there are communities of people throughout the world seeking to eliminate discontentedness from their lives using the core teachings. Some communities explain it as the teachings of Gautama Buddha and others do not. However, the teachings all originate from the same source, Gautama Buddha. Gautama Buddha is the originator and discovered the path to Nibbana, enlightenment, and a higher consciousness. Gautama Buddha offered his teachings to those around him and the world without ego, self-image, attachment, or aversion. He did not even want to teach because he felt it would be too much of a struggle to convince and teach others. But he persevered and continued forward ultimately deciding to teach anyone who was interested to learn. He ordained females as bikinis to provide females an ordained path to attain Nibbana. 
Gautama Buddha did not want people to even be attached to him, asking for no one to create images, statues, or likenesses of him. However, people in our wants decided to create these things because we are clinging and experts at clinging. A household practitioner will need to find ways to physically, electronically, or otherwise gain access to the teachings for their own life. I aim to create as many resources for this as possible as we move forward. There are already lots of resources created and distributed around the world. It's important that the teachings are offered in a pure and compassionate manner without greed, hatred, delusion, ego, or other motivations. I encourage as many individuals and organizations to make time and space for teachings to be shared at no cost, donation basis only. What are the things in your life that you already have taken inventory of that you need to eliminate your clinging? What are the attachments that are causing discontentedness in your life? Are you working the job that you have a strong passion for with the people that have a strong passion to work together? Are you in a community that is fostering and supporting your growth? Are you driving the mind to achieve your wants in the wants of everyone around you, or are you just seeking your needs? What are you avoiding and have aversion to that is causing you discontentedness? Fourth Noble Truth The path to eliminating discontentedness is the Eightfold Path. The Noble Truth of the way leading to the cessation of discontentedness. Gautama Buddha does not offer a pessimistic view of the world in the first three noble truths. He offers truth in reality. He explains the discontent mind in just three simple statements. He explains the problem, the cause of the problem, first noble truth, and that the ending of the problem is possible in the solution for how to eliminate the discontentedness, third noble truth. Then, he gives us the path forward to eliminate the discontentedness in this fourth and final noble truth. In the fourth noble truth, Gautama Buddha lays out the path forward and how we can all pursue enlightenment. He gives us the exact formula to solve the problem of discontentedness in the mind. He gives us a roadmap of how to end our own discontentedness. Thus, he presents the eightfold path. Right View the right view is to understand and practice the Four Noble Truths to establish the proper view or understanding of the world as we embark on the remaining journey ahead of us. Right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, right concentration. Studying and practicing the Eightfold Path, we learn many important lessons for life ahead. It gives us a complete and perfect plan for achieving the results of a life without a discontent mind. Deep study and understanding of this path forward is required to achieve the desired results. As you walk each step, you will notice more and more results for your life. More and more discontentedness will be cleared away from the mind, reducing then eliminating all the discontentedness caused by your own clinging or attachments. Practicing the Eightfold Path will require you to have an interest to pursue your own enlightenment or nibbana. The remaining steps of the Eightfold Path will be shared in the next chapter. The end of each chapter will have learning resources for further exploration. You will be able to explore videos, podcasts, quizzes, etc. to deepen your learning of the content you read in each chapter. 
please see the ebook for more details on these resources. As you have questions or need clarification on these teachings, you are welcome to post those into the Facebook group, Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, or contact the author privately for in-depth learning. Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash daily wisdom 999. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment. Enlightenment.